This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me, the official podcast of Metal Nexus. Make sure to head over to MetalNexus.net for all your news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of the Talk To Me podcast. Special guest this week is Spider One of Power Man 5000, a guest that I've wanted on this podcast since day one. Huge fan of the band, and they have a great new album out called New Wave. Make sure you're checking that out, and they start a North American tour on Friday the 13th. So make sure you're checking your local listings. Make sure to check them out on tour and let them know that the uh, Talk To Me podcast sent you. As always, the podcast is brought to you by Good Company with Bowling. Yes, that is our good friend Scott Bowling down in Atlanta, Georgia, with all the great video stuff. Make sure you're checking him out on YouTube. So many great interviews and such a well-put-together show. They just released their Rich Ward of Fozzie and Stuck Mojo episode. If you are a fan of either band, it is a must-watch interview. Also go into the archives with Head from Corn, Mikey from Islander, Clint Lowry of Seven Dust, Corey Lowry of Stuck Mojo, Lejean Witherspoon, so much more. So yeah, make sure to head over to YouTube, check out our good friend Scott Bowling and Good Company with Bowling, or just check out Good Company or scottgoodcompany.com for all of the interviews that he does. Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on-site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and on-stage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except, Bang Tang. Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club. School of Rock Nashville and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. I did have one more announcement. The ladies that run the Buckle Up for Chief fundraiser reached out to me and asked for a shout out, and I would definitely 100% give them a shout out. Uh, they have a current fundraiser up at buckleupforchi.com slash merchandise. That's where you can find tickets for their current Buckle Up for Chi fundraiser, which 100% of the proceeds are going to pause. That is P-A-W-S to help animals honoring Chi and his old feline warrior Kit Kat. All raffles are $5, and there are great prizes to win from P.O.D., Deftones Classics, Belching Beaver, and more. So to purchase tickets for the for the raffles, make sure to head over to buckleupforchi.com slash merchandise and support them. They are doing great stuff over there at Buckle Up For Chi and let them know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you. So like I said, guys, this week is Spider One of Power Man 5000. So let's check out a little Power Man. Let's talk to Spider One and then I will talk to you guys momentarily. Now I'm not the same 
Today we have Spider One of Power Man Five Thousand. Spider, how you doing today, man? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well, doing well. Um, as a lot of listeners know, I used to play in a band called Primer Fifty Five. Um, oh. As as um, when I joined that band, I was actually talking to a band called Pressure Four Five. So That's I, right. So I've always joked that the uh, mathematical <laughs> uh, next step would be Power Man Five Thousand. So if uh, if Merv ever messes up. You just give it, you know you know where to go. Well, let's be honest. Mer- Merv messes up every single night, so I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no, no doubt there. But uh, yeah, it's so funny that when you mentioned that. I think of all like the, uh, the numbers bands, right? There are so many, and I think there probably still are. It's just the, it's just like was such a kind of a, a trend. Uh, but I feel like I was way ahead of it, so I don't feel like guilty being part of like the the band with the number at the end of it. I did it purely for legal reasons at the time. I was just like, well, Power Man is a superhero from Marvel Comics, and maybe if I put a five thousand at the end of it, I won't get sued by Stanley. And so far, you know, twenty five years later, I haven't been sued, so I think I'm good. And they haven't made him into a uh, huge character yet, so maybe when they do decide to make that Marvel movie, then you'll then you'll have some issues. Yeah, they've made the uh, they made the Luke Cage Netflix series, but I don't know if they refer to him as Power Man. I haven't I haven't watched it, but I know it's called Luke Cage Hero for Hire. But in the actual comic from the seventies, it was Power Man. So, uh, yeah, little uh, nerd fact there for you guys. <laughs> and now we and it was knowing's half the battle, right? That's right. So the new album, New Wave, been out for a while. How have you uh, felt the you know reception of the latest album? Well, I mean, it seems like people are digging it. I mean, you know, it's like, I don't, it's a, it's, it's, you know, certainly a different, you don't get the same feedback in, in, in like you would have in the, the, uh, the good old days, so to right. speak, you know, it's sort of hard to gauge sometimes what people are thinking or, uh, you know, feeling about the music until you get out and start playing some of the songs live. And that's where I start to see. Like oh okay now they know the the words to this song or they you know or we'll try another new song. People are into it, but I mean, in terms of live response, it's been great. Like the new songs were kind of it was sort of a part of uh, part of the writing process of the record was to sort of really consider the live aspect because more and more that's you know all we have in a sense. You know you you, you have your live show and beyond that it's like well you know. Yay! I'm on some workout playlist on Spotify. It's not that <laughs> it's like you know, okay, cool, but um, you know what I mean. So it's like it's not the same as you know, you know, MTV and the big days when radio was really sort of impactful and stuff. So yeah, we just kind of, I guess, I gauge everything on on the live show now. I mean, I always did. I suppose I always knew the importance of that, and I always, you know, knew that that was sort of where you had your opportunity to make a fan or lose a fan, you know, when someone comes to see you live. So we've always really concentrated on making that the a really important part of what we do. So, but yeah, I think, I think people are digging the record because they, I mean, well, a lot of what I've heard is it's sort of a combination of, uh, you know, it's very power man sounding, but you know, it almost has a bit of a throwback feel to the really early days because there's less, there, there there's less electronics on this record. So it kind of feels a bit more like, you know, the mega Kung Fu radio days, the first couple records where we didn't really use any electronics. Um, so I, I think some of the old school fans are digging that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And the standout track to me, I think, is No White Flags. I don't know why, but every time that song comes on, man, I'm just, I'm singing along in the car, you know? Oh, thank Yeah, a lot of people are digging that song, which is, you know, weird because it's very, very unlike anything on the rest of the record or really anything we've done before. It's very, very mellow and very singy. And and it was one of those songs that I kind of was sort of like, I don't know if I even want to put this on the record, you know, cause it was, I don't know. I, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. Like I, I thought it was really good, but I wasn't sure if it was right, you right. know? Um, but yeah, there's been a, that's been one of the songs that a lot of people point to as, uh, as one of their favorites. Yeah, you don't want to put it out on the album and then, you know, get beat up for having a a, a a sad, sappy song on there. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I don't really, you know, like at the end of the day, I never really can, I don't, you know, you never make a record for anyone else, at least in the initial part, but yourself, right? You have to sort of be excited about it and feel good about it. And then, you know, of course you, you hope that other people dig it, but you can't, you can't ever create something, you know, with the first consideration is, well, I wonder what, you know, Steve in Oklahoma is going to think about this, you know, I mean, you sort of just have to like make your own thing and then just hope people come along, you know, and hope people are open enough to adapt to the changes that a band goes through. I think, you know, we're fortunate in the sense that I think we do have a, for the most part, our fans are pretty, they're used to musical changes and they're also, you know, they're used to band member changes. So they're usually pretty open to like us bending and, you know, you know, changing our sound from album to album. Yeah, I think that was a quote from uh, My Chemical Romance at some point, I think right around that time they did the Black Parade and, and uh, maybe even Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was the fact that they had to stop worrying about what Punk Rock Joe had to say about their new album. They had to, you know, write an actual good album and not worry about, you know, a kid in the scene hating on it. Well, let's be honest, you're you're kind of fucked either way. Like, in, in, you know, it's sort of like if you... If you change your sound, everyone complains like, oh, it's not like the other record or but if you stay the same, then you get beat up for like these guys just do the same thing over and over. And so so it's like you really can't win. There's all and there are so many voices coming at you because of the Internet. And everybody's commenting and everybody has opinion. You'll drive yourself crazy if you pay attention to any of it, because there's you know, used to be like, oh, God, we got a review in such and such a magazine or whatever. And, you know, you, you know, it sort of have some sort of weight to it, but yeah, now everybody has something to say. So, and everybody hears something differently and everybody wants something else and everybody has their own agenda. So yeah, you just got, you just had the certain, at the end of the day, you go, I don't care. Like I just do what, we, what I do, you know, and I only, and I do what I, what I, what I feel like doing and what I think I can do well. And, and then you just, like I said, hope if you do it with confidence. I think people, most people will come along for the ride and they, or, or over time, you know, I've had this happen as well. Like you put out a record and everybody, you know, the fan base, uh, the, you know, it's always the people that are most invested in the band. They, maybe they'll say like, oh, we don't like this one. It's not as good as the next one. But then, you know, 12 months later, they're referring to it as classic, right. you know, classic power man you know i thought you like i thought you hated this a year ago you know but uh, the, yeah so i mean i think those are always the best albums too you know like the album i wish i had a uh, example off the top of my head but you know the album that you buy that you're like oh, well I'll, I'll, i think one um clutch's self-titled album when it came out the space album um uh-huh. you know i put through it in the cassette deck and I was like, I don't know about this, man. And then I sat on it for a week or two. And then finally, I'm like, wait a minute, this is a masterpiece. And, you know, because it didn't sound like, you know, was it Transnational Speedway League? So it's always the albums that, you know, take a minute, I think, to uh, grow on you that turn out to be the best ones. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, sometimes the thing you don't understand right away is is the, yeah, the best thing, right? It's like, it's, uh, you know... It, but everybody wants that sort of instant satisfaction. So they want to hear something familiar, but I always feel like the, you know, the vocals are the thing that sort of is the glue. So the, the musical stylings can kind of shift and alter, but as long as the, the voice is there, I feel like that's the identifying factor that is most important. Well, I mean, I guess the singer would say that. So, <laughs> well, it's cer- <laughs> listen, it's certainly not the hi hat sound. You know, like, <laughs> right. <come on. laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's, I think that's a lot of the uh, you know arguments with a lot of bands coming back around, like you know, say a Skid Row or something like that, where people are clamoring for Sebastian Bach to come back, and the guys in Skid Row are like, "Oh no, we're still playing the same songs." And I'm like, "Yeah, but the voice, I, you know, even in Primer, we had a, you know, our singer changed, and yeah. it, it bummed me out, you know, and I was in the band, so I could let alone, you know, the 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 fans react to that." Yeah, I mean, there haven't been too many examples of bands that changed singers and, and sort of survive they, they sort of have to become a different band and you know and you know they can keep the name but I, I because I think that you know the voice is in the and certainly if the singer's writing the lyrics and it's sort of like that is the the first line of communication to the listener and I think that is important to you know I think yeah you do sort of lose your identity as a band if you don't have that same singer you know and it yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one, right? Like, I think that, you know, maybe a guitar player may feel the same way. Like, well, hey, that guy's not me, and I played it differently, and 
but I do think that most people, uh, you know, identify with, with the, with the singer and identify with the sound of somebody's voice before anything else. Well, I think it goes band to band too, because, you know, for the longest time, and obviously with the passing of Vinnie Paul, I mean, any kind of Pantera talk should just stop now, but you know, for the longest time it was like, well, it can't be Pantera without Dimebag, but there's so many other bands out there that, you know, can change the guitar player, change the bass player, change the drummer and not miss a beat. But yet, you know, if, if, if Phil and, and Rex and Vinny got in, the, in a room together with, you know, the proverbial Zach Wild, you know, it's like people are like, that's not Pantera. You know, it's it was right. crazy how that band was, you know, it had to be the four original and no others. But, you know, you've got Foreigner out there with not a single original member. <laughs> yeah, well, because I think sometimes the identity of the band is, is even more important than the songs, if that makes any sense, you know, and I think, yeah, something like Pantera, and, and since, and they were sort of, they were always those four guys from the very beginning, you know, like with me, I've always, you know, because people ask me about that, God, you've had so many different band members, and how does that affect the band, and, and yeah, I've, you know, when I started the band, you always, you always assume it's going to be those core group of guys that you started with, those four or five guys, it's like, this is forever, and, you know, you always want it, that's what, ultimately you want to have happen, but it, uh, you know, it is a very challenging thing to keep a band together, you know, just by the nature of it, as you know, it's like, it's always a bunch of weird dysfunctional people that are attracted to do this in the first place. And then, you know, the challenge of just uh, making a go at it professionally and being able to feed yourself, it's a challenge. And so, you know, and sometimes people quit and sometimes people want to move on. And sometimes people get fired because they're, you know, they do, they're terrible or they, you know, so there's a, there's so many reasons that come into play why. So I've just sort of over the years become, you know, I still have this, I still have the hopes that at certain point the lineup I have will be the lineup forever. <laughs> but if it isn't, that's okay because it becomes, now it's becomes, you know, I guess back to that, when we're talking about superheroes, you know, it becomes, it goes back to that, hey, the X-Men change members, the Avengers change members, but it's still the Avengers. You know, I, I, that's how I kind of look at Power Man. It's like, new guys come in, old guys go out, the new guy brings in his superpower, the old guy, you know, and it still retains the spirit of the band, but, you know, it's just a different, different, uh, a different superpower, you know. Absolutely. Um, one thing I kind of noticed on New Wave, and and I'm sure it's been brought up many times, but you know, you thrown out the, uh, the the proverbial bone to you know date your your David Bowie stuff and and Sid Vicious, and then you know the few years ago when you guys did like copies, clones, and replicants, wearing your um, influences on your sleeve and kind of kind of giving them props and stuff. I mean, is that something that you've uh, you know always wanted to do and like to keep keep out there that hey, you know, these are the guys that I grew up listening to. Yeah, I mean, I've always done that in the, from day one, whether it was music and or uh, other references of movies and books. And, you know, it's like I've, I've always tried to um, make it really clear, like, who I am, in other words. You know, so I, I like that because I think what it does is it builds a, a like, a, a stronger connection between you and, like, your, your listeners or fans or whatever you want to call them. Because, you know, like even from the early days, we, you know, the, the imagery I'd use and I'd reference everything from Taxi Driver to Jaws to The Clash to all this stuff in my in the music. So I like that. Like I would, you know, because <clears throat> when I think of other rock bands, I, you know, I don't know, just throw out any rock band up, Shinedown or something like I don't. I mean, I do know those guys, but like <laughs> if I didn't know those guys, I wouldn't have a clue as to who they were. Right. Because they're singing about love or uh, fighting back against whatever it is people sing about. I don't know what they sing, but you know, like, uh, you know, I don't mean, I'm not saying anything bad about that band. I'm just saying in general, like a lot of bands, I don't, like, I don't have a clue as to what these, what movies do these guys like? What other music do they like? What, you know, what books do they read? And I like, I like that. No, like I, I remember being a big fan of the beastie boys and I really felt like I knew those guys, even though I didn't know those guys. I'm like, Oh, they, they're referencing like old kung seventies kung fu movies and stuff, and I, so I felt like oh, I, I could hang out with these guys because I I like the same stuff they like, you know. And so I always uh, I always thought that would be a, that's a cool component of a band that not a lot of bands do, like honestly, you know. Um, so yeah, so long story short, yeah, I absolutely like it's a very intentional thing to reference things or to you know, where are your influences on your sleeve, so to speak? So random. I actually heard an interview with their guitar player today of Shinedown, 
and he was talking about how big of a um, like Coheed and Cambria and Glassjaw and like Machine Head fan he was. But then he uh-huh. said he knew that they couldn't write music like that because they do enjoy writing hits, you know, like uh, radio. But it was so it's funny that you brought up that band of all bands. Um, yeah. That that that's that's the one out there. Um, let's kind of head back. I mean, I'm obviously a hugely nostalgia person, a very nostalgia podcast. You know, when did you know that you could, uh, you know, be a singer in a band? Oh, I still don't know if I could be a singer in a band. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> like, quite honestly, I mean, it's funny. I, I, when I, uh, I mean, really, what made me want to make music was discovering punk rock because before that, I everything was just beyond real. Like, I, you know, as a little kid, listening to the Beatles or Elton John or whatever, you know whatever those first musical things most of us discover, you know, um, it was just, I had no idea how these guys did that. Like, you know, harmonies and actually playing an instrument. But then I found, you know, the, the Ramones and the sex pistols and even like, you know, more hardcore stuff like black flag. And, and suddenly it was like, Oh, these are like, like I could kind of wrap my head around this. Like, like, like that guy's just kind of screaming, you know, like I could do that. And that guy, <laughs> like, like that doesn't sound that complicated. And, you know, but even that was, uh, still seemed a little bit beyond my reach. Like I still, it seems like, I don't know how people do that, you know? And it's weird that you asked this question. Cause I just had this conversation with somebody on July 4th because, um, in LA here at the Hollywood bowl, the go-go's just play the Hollywood bowl, which is weird because, you know, but anyway, but I remember listening to in when I was a kid in Haverhill, Massachusetts and my friend, Joel Murphy's like mom's basement. We were listening to the go-go's beauty and the beat, right? Like, you know, everybody <laughs> remembers those songs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this, it didn't make me want to sing, but when I, when I heard that music, I was like, I turned to my friend, I'm like, we should start a band because I could hear the simplicity of it. I could hear how the guitar pick was hitting the strings. And all of a sudden I was like, I think we could do this. You know, like this does not sound that hard, you know? And so like, it's kind of odd that after all these, like the, what power band has become and the kind of, that the go-go's are kind of responsible for <laughs> me wanting, you know, but then, you know, so, so when I originally played bass, I picked up a bass cause I, someone sold me a bass for like $15 and I was, it was like the cheapest little crap so i was like i wanted to be paul simonon from the clash because i just thought he looked so cool so i was like well i'll play bass you know i have no idea how to play bass but i'll play bass and then i realized i was not very good at it and i couldn't sing and play at the same time and so that's when i said all right well i'll just sing and we got another friend of mine to play bass and and at that point i just uh just started to develop a sound like i knew i knew that i wasn't the greatest singer. Like I wasn't, you know, able to sing like anybody else. So that, uh, that forced me to kind of develop this style of like kind of rapping and kind of chanting and, kind, you know, and it wasn't until like five albums in that I actually tried to put a couple notes together. You know what I mean? Like I just was terrified of actually singing, but like, I loved punk rock and I loved rap music. And I was like, well, I can do those two styles. So that was sort of how it gave me the confidence to actually try to, be a, a vocalist, you know. Did um, if my memory serves me correct, um, you, I'm, I'm, I think the story is you drove maybe a box truck for White Zombie at some point, like in the very, very, very early days of the band. Did you know, kind of being around that camp push you into a direction of like you know really going for it? Well, actually, it was a van, so it was a uh, what it was the first thing they ever did. It okay. was, uh, and I, at the time, I was, I was. Uh, going to art school in Boston and I had been in school for about three, two or three months and I just wasn't like feeling it. And I was like, Oh God, I don't want to be in school. And then uh, at the time white zombie was just starting. I mean, this was like the very beginnings of it. And they booked this little tour East coast, Midwest tour. I mean, it all told it was probably 10 shows if I remember correctly, but Rob was like, well, why don't you just come with us? Like, you know, you're not happy in school. And I was like, all right, fuck it. And I just <laughs> quit school and drove this van and I, like the brakes didn't work. And it was just like the, but you know, like we were just had no idea what we were doing, you know, but and, and there were times when like, cause white zombie was, you know, so not what they 
became. I mean, this was a band like they could barely play and they it was made more like noise, the music back then. It, you know, like we're sort of like New York, East Lower East Side and, you know, noise rock. And so we'd go to do these shows in the front of house the sound guy would be like i don't know what to, how to mix this band like <laughs> this is terrible he, you know, i remember one night i was i was standing by the soundboard and the guy turns to me goes like is this what they want to sound like <laughs> and and i was like i don't he goes and he literally goes here you mix it and i had <laughs> i mean i had never been behind right. i was like 18 18 years old i've never done I run a soundboard i was like okay and i just start like moving faders around <laughs> just like so funny but um but you know i mean but at that point i had already tried you know like i'd already you know tried to start a band in high school i had a little punk rock band in high school and so so i was sort of in, already in the mode of of making music and wanting to be in a band um but you know i mean watching those guys was definitely like an influence in terms of especially when they they got success because it was uh inspiring because you know they were such a bizarre band and i and i knew that you know because you always anyone in music uh you know, it's sort of funny that you meant like you come bring. I don't know why Shine Down keeps coming back, but when you <laughs> that quote that the guitar player said said, it's sort of like exactly what drives me fucking crazy about bands these days. Like you'll, know, we'd like to make songs like this, but we want to make hits. It's like, well, that's really fucking lame. You know, it's like why don't you just write the songs you want to write, and then if they're not hits, too fucking bad. Like you know, and so when I think about back in the day with you know not just White Zombie, but a lot of bands, there were bands that were really just doing their own bizarre thing with no intention or thought of it ever getting on the radio or ever being a hit. And, you know, but yet somehow they found success because I think they were like truly authentic. And so I always found that to be inspiring. Just this idea that you really can do your own thing and if, you know, and, and still be successful, you know, this idea that you have to sort of, well, we have to make it like this and we can't be, you know, we have to make it more melodic and we have to, you know, I just, I just hate that. I've never been, I've never been one to do that. I've always been one to live or die by doing whatever I do. And if people don't like it, oh, well, you know, I can always go work at Walmart. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) you know, it's like, I can't, I can't ever, you know, try to be successful if that makes any sense. And so, like I said, you know, so watching those guys, uh, was inspiring because they really just did exactly what they wanted to do and it ended up being really successful. So, yeah, so that was, a uh, you know, I don't know that made any sense at all. But, uh, <laughs> no, it absolutely makes sense. Um, I was a huge fan of Mega Kung Fu Radio and I got to see you open for probably one of my all-time favorite bands. I got to see the Kiss Power Man 5000 oh show my God. in Nashville. What is What are your uh, memories of touring with Kiss? And uh, I believe that was about 97? Yeah, and that was crazy, right? Because here we were, that was like the first, um, I mean, before that, we'd only just done clubs on our own, and, you know, we were this local band in Boston, and we were playing, you know, we were doing well, but we were just playing, you know, playing clubs, and and I think we had done a couple of shows at that point, maybe we opened for Slayer a couple of times, and Corn maybe, but but this was like, like we got this call, like, do you want to go open for Kiss for two weeks? And I'm like, what? Like that's <laughs> like literally at the time, our bass player was still playing through like a little PVTNT, you know, right. like you know, you know, some amp he bought for like two hundred dollars, and you know, and uh, and here we are, like you know, and this was the Kiss reunion. This yeah, was yeah. the ori- original members. I makeup cried back at that on. show. I cried because I never thought I would see that. Uh, same thing. Like, look, as a little kid, I was. A huge fan and it was one of the first bands that i really got into and like you know and, and, uh, and being like this nerdy kid like comic books and science fiction it really was like the ultimate band right for you at that and so i was just but it, you know at that point when we got to open for them the, the luster had kind of worn off and it was you know was, but there was definitely a moment i remember like because i'd go out and watch the show every night i remember one one night i was sitting out at the soundboard or where we were watching the show and peter chris is singing beth and handing out roses to, and i was just like <laughs> I was just like, I can't fucking believe I'm here. Like, th- how did this happen? Like, me, the little five-year-old kid, staring at the Kiss Alive 2 cover for hours, like, I'm here. Like, this is so weird. And th- so, you know, I definitely look back at that tour as, like, one of the, like, most special things we did because it just shows you how bizarre life can be. 
and things that you would never in a million years, years expect to be a part of suddenly you are right there, you know? And so that was really a fun time and very like weird for us and challenging. I mean, here we were this little dirt bag local band from Boston, like that's essentially opening up for like one of the biggest bands ever, you know? Uh, and it actually like went pretty well. Like, you know, we were told we were going to do horribly and we ended up doing okay. You know, I don't think the crowd knew what to make of us at all, but you know, uh, we had fun. Yeah. It was definitely a, uh, I could tell, you know, just the, what is it? The, you know, different age of fans throughout the, you know, the arena. I've, you know, recently met a guy that was also at the same show and, you know, he was like, man, I was loving it, but I'm sure the, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds that were sitting next to me were like, what the hell is going on right now? Oh yeah. There were definitely, there was definitely some head scratching going on. <laughs> we were playing like, but we knew it, but we, but like we embraced it. And like, like I said, it went, it went well. Cause we were sort of told like, you're not, no one's going to like you. You're going to get booed. You're not going to sell a single t-shirt and all this kind of, but we ended up like having a great time and, and they were all super cool to us. And, you know, it was, it was fun. It was kind of a cool thing. And I remember that was when they were just giving like bands, you know, you could do two weeks and like everybody got two weeks. Was there ever an explanation of why they were only given, uh, you know, bands two weeks and maybe not the entire tour? I think it was there. You know, I think I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think the idea was that, you know, clearly this was even this was a bit of an experiment for them. Right. They're coming back with the makeup, you know, maybe they want, you know, and I think they wanted to have a bunch of younger bands that you know, in some regards made it a little hipper, you know, like a little cool, like instead of putting like, you know, rat or something on as the opening <laughs> act. Like, so they, I can't even remember who else got to do it, but yeah, I think they just wanted to sort of like divide up the tour with a bunch of younger kind of up and coming bands to just kind of give it a little bit more of a modern feel to it. Yeah. It was bizarre. If I remember correctly, like some of the bands were like, I know the Melvins got some of the, some of the tour and I almost feel like Deftones got some of it. It was, it was really bizarre. I think Alice and Chains yeah. might have even done a couple. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Obviously, going from uh, you know Mega Kung Fu Radio to the next album, you guys kind of changed up the sound a little bit. And, and was there a plan for the for going maybe a little bit more industrial, spacey electronics, or was it just kind of like what happened? I think it was sort of what happened. I mean, I think what happened was we added a second guitar player. So the original you know lineup for Mega Kung Fu Radio was like. Uh, you know, we had a, like a, we had a percussion player, so we sort of essentially almost had two two drummers, right? And it was also at a time where, you know, so you're talking about the early to mid '90s, you know, to to '97 that record came out. So this was also a time that was pre Pro Tools, pre a lot of computer. You know, people weren't implementing too much of that stuff unless you had a a keyboard player or something, which we didn't want. Um, so, you know, so the band was essentially just a, an organic band, but then come, you know, then uh, as we transitioned to, before we did the Tonight, the Stars Revolt record, we added a second guitar player, um, cause I just kind of wanted to get a bigger sound. And so that, that's when we added Mike Campesta and we sort of swapped out a second guitar player for the, when we got rid of the percussion. Um, and Mike was, in, it was inherently like a metalhead. So he just loved, you know, he, for a long time before he joined, he was a tech for uh, Scott Ian and Anthrax. So he was very much this riff oriented, super heavy guitar player. So he loved that sound. So when it came time to start writing the next record, he had a lot to do with the writing. So he just naturally brought that sound to the band, which I was, which I thought was really cool and fun at the time. And then just now, and then, and then, you know, at that point, now here come computers, here comes Pro Tools. And we start getting really excited about being able to implement sounds that we've net we were never able to implement before. So the electronic side sort of replaced the percussion aspect of it. And so it wasn't really a plan. It just kind of naturally took that shape, you know, because of the new member and also the technology that started to be available. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of developed into that sound. And it was great sound. I mean, obviously, you know, huge success on that album and, uh, you know, still probably a classic, you know, staple for your set to these, to this day. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it certainly is like the biggest thing we ever did was that record and it, you know, sort of like all the things aligning, right. Like the timing, uh, the, you know, it was, it was 1999. This was like the peak of CD sales, you know, across the board and, MTV was still uh, really like relevant and they played 
they're really open to playing rock bands, you know, like we were, we getting the same airplay as the pop artists, you know what I mean? And like, so was corn. And so was all, you know, all these bands were getting a lot of love from MTV. And so really just like all the pieces came together to, to launch, you know, to, to be able to put ourselves in position to, to have a really successful record. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, radio play and stuff. And, you know, you guys put out a new album late last year, but there's no radio stations to play it. You know, the the stations here, the rock stations gone. There's two classic rock stations that occasionally will play Alice in Chains and Nirvana now. But, I mean, it's still 70s and 80s, you know, Boston and, and you know, oh, yeah. all that stuff is just played on the radio constantly. And I'm like, you know, the, if you had a station that played you know, any, any newer music, there are new, you know, there are new songs out there that, that need that platform. And, you know, it's like any pop song. If you play it enough, you're going to eventually start humming the lyrics and, you know, somewhat, somewhat enjoy it at some point. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's, what the, the future of rock radio will be. Yeah. I don't really understand that either. Like, you know, we go on tour and sometimes you'll just for fun, like as you, as you, travel to from city to city state to state you see what's what's on the radio in this town and it's the same led zeppelin aerosmith foreigner and yeah then occasionally they'll you know like you'll sneak in like a five finger death punch song or something you know but it's like there's just yeah the, the creative level at radio is so low in the rock world that I don't under, I just don't get why, like, I don't understand why they don't like radio stations aren't like championing, championing young rock bands. I don't get it. And because when the the last time they really did that was when rock radio was really successful, which was, yeah, I guess for lack of a better term, that the years of the new metal, right? Like corn and Papa Roach and Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson and power man and whoever else, Limp Biscuit, you know, all these bands that were out, that's when stations like K-Rock in LA, K-Rock in New York, all these big play, played all those bands. And you know what happened? Radio was really successful <laughs> and like, and they would have huge radio shows and festivals. And, and then they kind of, everyone sort of turned their back on that music <clears throat> and radio died. The rock radio died and it's never recovered. And I think that it's, it's a, a huge mistake that, People aren't on board, uh, you know, and, and I feel like if if radio would support bands and support them across the board, not just like who has the sound of the moment, you know, I think you would start to see kids get into rock music more again. I think, you know, I think that rock music has become such and so narrow in the sound of the bands out right now. They're so narrow because, you know, it is like there isn't a lot to go around. So these bands aren't being very adventurous and so they because they like oh god we got to get on the radio so we have to sound like this and it's just it's such unfortunate because i think in other forms of music you know you do you do hear a lot more adventurous uh approaches pop music is like sonically way more interesting than rock music is right now rock music is just yeah it's pretty uh it's pretty middle of the road you know um but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there'll be some turnaround at some point. But yeah, I agree with you. It's just like, it's just not there anymore. And what's crazy is you hear about these stations in like, you know, Madison, Wisconsin. I think it's like JJO or whatever. You, know, you hear all these stations around the country. They're like, maybe like one here and there. But what happens in those towns is, you know, when a uh, a smaller band comes through that's being played on the radio, you know what? They have the biggest show of the entire tour because yeah. they're actually being played on the radio somewhere. And, uh, you know, as much as obviously I'm into podcasting and podcasts, I mean, you know, there's only so much we can do to uh, to, to kind of push that narrative to for people to go out and check out shows and things like that. Yeah, it's difficult. There isn't like, you know, there's, there's you know, it's, it's the advantage and disadvantage of the new way, right? The advantage is that, like, it's easy to get stuff out. There's a million ways to hear about something. But that that is also the downside because it's so spread out. And, you know, it's sort of like there used to be like two or three big ways to get exposure. Right? When radio was really powerful, MTV or even print media, like when people would buy Rolling Stone or whatever, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, so it's harder to get in those places. But what if you did, all eyes were on you. But now there's like 
yeah, there's a million websites, there's a million podcasts, there's a million, you know, there's all this internet radio, but, but how big is the audience? You know I mean? Some of these things you probably have like 10 people looking at it or a hundred <laughs> people hearing it. And right. so, you know, it's, you're just not getting like the, the, the big splash anymore. Um, yeah, which is, you know, this, that, like I said, that's sort of like the downside because it's just, it's just such a long climb to get anybody to pay attention to anything these days. That's the one thing that obviously being a musician at, at some level, but at the same time, I mean, I was just always just a giant fan and reading autobiographies and biographies of bands. And there's my favorite stories were always, man, this guy in Cleveland started playing the song. And next thing you know, the, the phones blew up and, you know, it went number one on their top 10 at 10 countdown. And then, so Detroit picked it up and then Detroit started playing, you know, you don't, you're not going to yeah. get that anymore. And that's kind of a sad thing. Now you're going to get, we were added to a Spotify playlist and <laughs> you know, know. It's, yeah. it's so crazy. The, what the stories are going to be now. Yeah, you're right. It isn't like this cool, organic, uh, you know, regional thing that happens anymore. It's yeah. It's like, and there's nothing that fun about like, Oh, you know, like I, I always say like, there's nothing fun about, it used to be so much fun to like go in the store and seeing your record in the store and a poster on the wall. And it was just like these really tangible uh, things that were exciting. You know what I mean? Now it's like, yeah, you look at your laptop and you go like, oh, yeah, there we are <laughs> on that. Okay, we'll close it then. Let's do something else now. It's not just it's not that exciting anymore. <laughs> it's just unfortunate that those, again, that's why you're like, well, it's all about playing live because that's the one last thing where it's like a tangible thing it's different every night. It's, you know, it's a different city, a different vibe. And it feels like something real happening in front of you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of playing live, I mean, this will be out on the 12th. looks like you started tour on the 13th. Um, what are the ups and downs of staying on the road? Well, I mean, look, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it really, there, I don't know if there are any downs to it. You know I mean, I mean, it's, it's look, I, you know, it's, I've done it for so long. It's not like I'm jumping up and down every, you know, like, all right, <laughs> going on tour, but you know, I've done it so much that it's sort of like, okay, here we go again. But you know what? But there really is like no downside to it. It really is still the best part of being in a band. You know I mean? It really is like when you, you get out there with your band and crew and you know, you know that feeling like you feel like, I don't know. It's exciting. Like you're traveling carnival. You know what I mean? You're just like, a, and you never know what's going to happen. And then you have those nights where it's just, you know, the, the room is packed and it's just a bet. And you're just like, this is why I do this, you know? And then you have another night where it's like, God, I want to kill myself. Like, why, did, <laughs> why didn't I go to college? Like, why, you know what I mean? Where the night's just a terrible show. Whatever. But that's, you know, like, that's what keeps it exciting. And, and, uh, and it, to me, you know, honestly, like I really am for, for, you know, you could always, you can always look at your, your career and, oh, it could have been gone better this way. And why did we do that? And I wish we were here. And, but I, cause, but really at the end of the day, I still look back on every night and I'm like, God, man, I can't believe that. Like, you know, we're not on the radio every day. We're not on the air or every hour. We're not, you know, the, the hip new band. We're not the darlings of them, you know, we're, but man, people still come out and like they with enthusiasm and and it's just like i i guess you know i'm i really am sort of thankful that for whatever weird reason that this has been able to function for so long and, and in a way that i'm still like really proud of and like happy to be a part of so you know for me like going on the road is, is really like the, the payback for that you know the one thing that I've noticed about your career is obviously everybody knows your brother is Rob Zombie, but I don't feel like you flaunt that and I don't see the, you know, the, the Rob Zombie Power Man 5000 tour every time and you're in every movie that he's done. Um, it, was that a choice on your end to, to kind of, you know, blaze your own path? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, definitely the be in the beginning we, we made it a, a rule like when we signed to dreamworks and we started you know when we started getting press and we had to write you know bi biographies and stuff it was a rule that it was not going to be mentioned like that was our thing like it's we are not going to use this this is not going to be rob zombie's brother's band you know <laughs> i mean inevitably it gets out and people and it's fine and i don't i don't care i you know i don't talk about it, it doesn't you know it's, it's a reality um but yeah it was definitely uh 
made to be known from the band and management like this is not we do not want to see this written on any press release or you know like because it you know just will naturally be known by fans and i mean it's funny because people are still finding it like i'll get people on twitter like oh my god i just found it <laughs> like you just found out that, <laughs> that this is you know so um and yeah i mean we don't really cross paths that often you know we don't i mean it's uh you know, we've only done a handful of things together. We've, you know, we did a European run together. We've never done a tour together in the States. You know, we've occasionally just by accident been on a few radio shows together here, but it's just something we don't, you know, it just doesn't, I don't know if it matters one way or the other. Like, I th- you know, people ask me sometimes, is it helpful or does it hurt? You know, and I think that at the end of the day, it's kind of a wash. It, it didn't really it wasn't the reason for any success because we didn't utilize it at all. And it, and I don't think it takes away from anything. I mean, I think if the only thing it does is, you know, at least maybe not at this point, but back in the day, maybe when someone found out, they would just be curious and check it out, you know, check out our band because they liked Rob. But at the end of the day, we were the ones that had to write a good song and put on a good live show. And so, you know, I don't think, you know, just the association you know created any success nor did it hurt us in any way you know what i mean i think it just kind of is what it is and uh you know it's kind of remained that (laughs) it just is what it is you know yeah and the one thing the only thing i can think honestly off the top of my head is this the time i think he got up with you guys in la and maybe did thunder kiss or something but yeah that's the only time i've and and for me as a fan i thought it was really cool i was like oh wow it's cool though they're together on stage but uh but yeah that's about the only time i can see it crossing paths yeah, I mean, and that's something that's just super convenient. Like, oh, you're in town. Oh, we're playing. You want to do that song? You know, and, and it's so like, you know, it's very like last minute, just kind of throw it together. And and I think people do dig it. I think people think it's cool, like to see that, you know, I think it's just a fun thing to, to you know, because I, I do get a lot of people hitting, you know, it's always saying like, when are you guys going to tour together? <laughs> but, you know, ultimately that's not up to me. That's up to, to Rob, you know what I mean? Because I would be opening for him. So it's up to him to put that together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. So, um, yeah. Well, I guess the you know we'll wrap it up with you know what's the future of Power Man Five Thousand? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it's just you know it's funny the new record isn't so new anymore, and so I'm already started writing some new songs for I guess what will be the next one, you know. So, um, you know, it's it's I guess you know until it until I lose that spark, I'll just I'll just keep doing it because I you know it's like it's funny how you know I think a lot of people who aren't in bands or don't do something creative, uh, you know, you inevitably you get the haters. Like, oh, you should, you know, they should give it up and they should, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's really like something that it's, you know, it's not about, you know, the size of the crowd and it's not about how much money it really is about that. You love making music or you love painting pictures or you love whatever it is. You know, like it's a, being, you know, having a creative life, is I think people forget it's not really about success. You know, the, I mean, in terms in what people consider success in terms of money and fame and it's a creative life is the reward is the creativity. The reward is creating that why you do it. It, it does for you, you know, and it makes you happy. So I still have that every day. I still get up and every, all I want to do is make stuff, you know, make, you know, whether it's write a song or, write you write a story or write a screenplay or you know and so that's what fuels me and until the day that i'm just like i'm tapped out like i got nothing else and i'll just keep going and so you know i guess that's that's what the future is for power man is just keep trying to make cool stuff and and uh you know and and you know i think too like you know i think you i i don't know how most people feel but i still feel like i'm i'm still figuring it out like, I feel like I'm still haven't made the best record I could make. I still haven't written the best song I can write. I'm still, after all these years, like, oh, man, I oh, wow, I didn't realize I could do that. Or, you know, and so, you know, I think that that's another reason that keeps you going. It's just that that desire to always kind of top yourself and do something cooler and better. And, you know, uh, so. I don't know if you if you notice it because you're in it or not, but do you notice the 
kind of the nostalgia factor of that late nineties era music scene kind of coming back around, you know, kind of maybe people coming out of the woodwork that haven't been around in, you know, a few years to come check you guys out again. I definitely feel like that sound is becoming like, I think, yeah, like younger bands are looking at that time and going like, wow, that was pretty fucking cool. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I, cause I think with any big musical movement, there's a, it becomes really big. And then there's a backlash, right? Because everyone wants to distance themselves from it. Like, oh, that was that was stupid. You know, we're <laughs> onto this now. But then as as the dust settles a little bit, people go back and they revisit and they're like, wow, like this was actually a kind of a cool thing. And yet I hear it a lot in bands. I hear stuff like, wow, that sounds uh <laughs> pretty familiar, you know. <laughs> right. Which is cool. You know, I mean that's fine with me. I don't, you know, uh won't be the the first or the last time someone rips you off, you know, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, I definitely see a resurgence in that nineties vibe, you know what I mean? Um, just like I see a lot, but, but you see a lot of stuff, you see seventies, eighties, you see you know, bands like Greta Van Fleet that sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. You've got bands that sound very new wave and eighties, you know, you've got, but yeah, I think, I think in the heavy music community, you're definitely starting to hear some, of that new metal influence and i only use that term because i don't know what else to reference it because well, it's definitely you know. a new metal new metal yeah. uh, <laughs> resurgence in, in all of it <clears throat> well cool man well let's end up with a, a a song off the latest album new wave what what song would you like us to play well we're just uh we started playing uh the song footsteps and voices live and i think it's we're actually going to go to radio with that one soon so i, I assume that, that will be our considered the new single so yeah let's play footsteps and voices Cool, man. And hopefully I will see you on the 31st in Lexington. So I should uh, should right. make it out to that one, man. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you for uh, for taking the time today, spider
Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly, Return to Roots. And you are listening to Talk to Me. Stay metal. Oi!
All right, huge thank you to Spider One of Power Man 5000. Make sure you are checking them out on tour. Great interview, and I uh, love talking to that guy. Love any interview that has a uh, guest that gives great answers, great long answers, where I don't have to talk so much. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So make sure you're supporting Power Man 5000. Make sure you're supporting Good Company with Bowling. Make sure you are checking out BuckleUpForChi.com and helping out their raffles. So for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you guys next Thursday.